Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. an inspiration to our citizens, a model to our youth, the eminent Egbert Souths, Suzette, Suzette, alias uh, W.C. Fields. We honor him for the fine example he has set as a husband and a father, and above all, for his heroism as a bank dick. Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to do the 1940 movie, The Bank Dick. Now, you might be laughing (laughs) hearing this, thinking, wow, the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast is getting into porn movies. No, this was a W.C. Fields movie from 1940. Certain terms were used back then that are no longer used. For example, Dick, back then, could mean detective. It also could have meant Richard, but we're going with detective there. Yes, we're not doing porn yet, at least. Our ratings aren't hurting that much. Anyway, let's get right into this. (laughs) The studio was Universal Pictures. The release date, November 29th, 1940. The running time was a brisk 73 minutes, and it was in black and white. Usually I give the budget and the box office totals, but I could not find one. This is pretty much a B-movie, but if you're into W.C. Fields, you should enjoy it. Leonard Malton from the Classic Movie Guide gives it 4 out of 4 stars. His quick little synopsis is, Classic of insane humor loosely wound about a no-account who becomes a bank guard. Grady Sutton plays a nitwit prospective son-in-law, Franklin Pangborn, as a bank examiner, who matches the shenanigans of W.C. Fields. So I actually own a W.C. Fields box set, and that's where I found this movie initially. Rotten Tomatoes actually gives it 100% fresh from 21 reviews. So in England, this was actually originally released as The Bank Detective because that slang of dick didn't really apply there. 
So movies like this are simply not made any longer. And what I mean is films simply made as a vehicle for one person to shine in. I mean, the last person I can really think of that would have movies like this made for them would be maybe Rodney Dangerfield. The plot is usually ridiculous for W.C. Fields movies, but it really doesn't matter to the moviegoer. They simply want to see their star in ridiculous situations and giving them one-liners that they've always known and love about that person, just like Rodney Dangerfield. Also, the character that W.C. Fields created would also be considered passe in today's culture. He basically played a drunk that hated everyone, (laughs) whether it be women, children, animals. He didn't discriminate. He would constantly lie, steal, cheat in all of his roles, and he'd always come out on top. Nobody seemed to mind. Actually, everyone loved it. However, in real life, his alcoholism was definitely not an act, and he was actually admitted to sanitariums to get him to actually dry out. Fields' comic timing was unlike most comedians at the time. He, he didn't really give obvious laugh-out-loud punchlines. They were extremely dry, and unless you really paid attention, you would miss the hilarious part about the joke he delivered, kind of like Groucho Marx. Most of these lines were like double entendre, which was the only way you could get these jokes past censors at the time. In many ways, this is what made comedy fun in the era of censorship. Today, when you can literally say anything, the nuance of double entendre as a joke is sort of lost. So the screenwriter for The Bank Dick was actually... W.C. Fields. However, what moviegoers saw in the credits under screenwriter was Mahatma Kane Jeeves. And this is a play on words from the stage plays of that era, which meant, my hat, my cane, Jeeves. And in fact, at the end of the film, his butler does hand him his hat and cane. The director was Edward Klein. Klein started directing short films in 1916, but actually started his career as an actor as one of the Keystone Cops. He started to make a name of himself co-directing many of the early Buster Keaton films, and he ended up being a favorite of W.C. Fields, who, and he ended up directing four of Fields' most popular films. All right, let's just get right into the movie. I, I just love how old movies from the 30s and the 40s start. They always have a great film score. The, the cast credits are super quick. And in this case, you get a, a caricature of W.C. Fields as a guard. You even get to see Shemp Howard, who has a bit role as a bartender. He was one of the other Three Stooges <laughs> much later. Shemp was, Shemp was fine, but yeah, you can't beat the original uh, Mo Laring Curly. So the movie begins in a small town in middle America. You get the white picket fences, you know, all that stuff. And immediately we get a joke over W.C. Fields' character name as two older women walk by his house and see his name printed on his mailbox. One woman says, that's an odd name, Egbert Souse. The other woman corrects <laughs> corrects her and says that it's Egbert Souse, since there's an accent mark after the final E. Souse is actually funny because it's one of the main gags for Fields because he's always drunk. And to be sauced, or soused, <laughs> is used as a phrase to being drunk especially back then. We cut to inside the house where everyone at the dining room table is unhappy about pretty much everything. Uh, Mostly about Fields' drinking, smoking, and general unpleasantness. The house is all women and then W.C. Fields. You have his wife, two daughters, and his mother-in-law. 
immediately you have scenes that definitely could not play out today. The youngest daughter, Elsie May, who is probably 10 years old, is reading a detective magazine. Fields takes it from her and she immediately kicks him in the shin. He retaliates by popping her over the head. <laughs> she then turns around and fires a can at his head and hits him. The mother-in-law cracks... Imagine a man who would take money out of his children's piggy bank and puts in IOUs. Then Elsie says, shall I bounce a rock off his head? And then the mother tells him, respect your father, darling. Wait, what kind of rock? <laughs> Fields is basically inept as a human being. He tries to help a driver who had his car break down, and while attempting to tighten a bolt, he in turn uses a wrench and immediately the engine falls out of the car. So Fields always kind of had a sing-song way of speaking. Nobody sounded like him, and nobody ever will. He was totally unique. Uh, was I in here last night and did I spend a $20 bill? Yeah. Oh, boy, what a load that is off my mind. <laughs> I thought I'd lost it. <laughs> uh, so immediately after destroying the car they tried to fix, he heads to a tavern. He happens to meet a movie producer at the bar and strikes up a conversation. The producer offers Fields a chance to direct his movie since the current director is always drunk. <laughs> How ironic. This, of course, is ridiculous, but the movie isn't supposed to really make sense. It's simply a vehicle for Fields to put in his, you know, put him in ridiculous situations. Soon, W.C. Fields is on a movie set and becomes a movie director. The best part about him is his one-liners, as I said earlier. For example, the main actress in the movie he's directing is super short. After one scene, Fields turns to the scriptwoman and asks, is she standing in a hole? While shooting the movie, his wife, mother-in-law, and youngest daughter just happen to be walking by the film shoot. His daughter whines that she wants to be in the film, and he refuses, which of course leads to an ongoing gag of her just pelting him with any object she finds laying around. Fields ends up being distracted and walks off the picture without notice. Of course, another merry mix-up happens as a bank robbery of $50,000 occurs in the town that he lives in. One of the robbers double-crosses the other and knocks him out right near the bench that Fields is sitting on. The one robber runs away while Fields ends up getting credit for catching the other criminal. So because of this false capture, he quickly becomes a local hero. The local kids gather around and create a tale about how Fields captured the robber. In turn, Fields shows the kids parlor tricks like putting a cigarette in his ear, then his nose, and breathing out the smoke. Times have a changed. <laughs> he even has a great line where he says, I never smoked a cigarette until I was nine. I'll teach you when you guys grow up. Fields meets with the bank president and expects a reward. Instead, he's offered a job as a bank detective, or a bank dick. His house is going to be foreclosed on anyway with from the same bank, so his salary will pay the mortgage. Fields ends up always heading back to a tavern called the Black Pussycat Tavern. Hey now! where this time he runs into a smooth-talking salesman who wants to pawn off some worthless stock. It's a beefsteak mine. <laughs> and he finds out that Fields is the new bank detective, so he thinks he can get some money out of him. There's a great scene where a little boy dressed like a cowboy is playing in the bank with a toy gun. Fields sees him and tries to tackle him. <laughs> Fields shouts, Is that gun loaded? And the boy's mom replies, Certainly not, but I think you are. <laughs> Then Field says, I'll throw him in the waste paper basket next time he comes in here. I mean, this is great. You can't do this with kids anymore. <laughs> he just didn't give a shit. So Fields, like an idiot, gets his future son-in-law, Og Ogilby, involved in a stock scam. Og works as the bank manager and quote-unquote borrows money, he basically embezzled, <laughs> from the bank to pay for the can't-miss stock. And he needs to quickly replenish the money, but he needs to wait until he's paid. 
Another great Fields line is when he's showing a new person in town around town, and he happens to be uh, the bank auditor. And Field says, we have three drugstores, and one of them actually sells medicine. Back then, there used to be a thing called uh, tomain poisoning. Back in the day, you know, (laughs) you might be wondering, what is tomain poisoning? Well, basically, it's called food poisoning now. But back then, they called it tomain poisoning. So because the bank auditor now has food poisoning or tomain poisoning, uh, he... The guy's name is Mr. Snoopington, of course, and Fields basically wants him to avoid looking at the books and catching his son-in-law because he's trying to buy that stock. So Mr. Snoopington ends up being very sick, but still shows up to the bank to check his books. And in the process, Fields tries to sabotage Snoopington every minute. He accidentally tries to smash his writing hand, only to discover it's the wrong hand. (laughs) He finds out... That Snoopington can't see without his glasses, so you know what Fields is going to try to do. Of course, Snoopington has an arsenal of spare glasses. So even if I give spoiler away, you know, spoilers away, it wouldn't take away from the pleasure of watching this movie, since the plot is all uh, secondary for W.C. Fields to get into crazy situations. However, I will save the ending for those that will check out the film. But keep in mind, this is a movie for quick gags, not plot. And I'll say the last 10 minutes are actually action-packed, and there's tons of fun involving a car chase. There's some great stunts, which had to be real because of the lack of, lack of technology back then. Today, it would be lame, and you'd see some fake-looking CGI, and it wouldn't be as funny. All right, some fun facts. Uh, Universal's censors initially objected to W.C. Fields' script and demanded many changes. So the director, Ed, Ed Quine, suggested that Fields should go ahead and film it their way, ignoring the censors' changes, and that the front office wouldn't notice the difference, and they didn't. So as I said before, the bar that Shemp Howard's character runs was originally called the Black Pussy Cafe, (laughs) but the production code said the name couldn't be used. W.C. Fields protested because he got the name from his friend, a British comedian named Leon Errol, who owned a real bar in L.A. called the Black Pussy Cafe. Fields says if that California Alcoholic Beverages Control Board didn't object to that as the real name of the bar, the production code administration shouldn't mind as the name of the name of a fictional one. The code authority was unmoved, so the signs on the bar in the film now called the Black Pussy Cat Cafe. But both Fields and another actor actually refer to it as the Black Pussy Cafe in the dialogue, which they didn't even pay attention to. So much for those really eagle-eyed censors. In 1992, the bank dick was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress because it is culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. I wonder if they care about the Black Pussycat Cafe. In any case, yes, this is a quick movie. This is going to be a quick episode because there's not a lot of stuff out there for it. But again, these are fun B-movies and I, I think the best day for modern audiences to compare it to is somebody like Rodney Dangerfield. Are his movies that good, with the exception of, say, like Back to School? Nah, not really, but they're super entertaining. And that's what they did back then. You could have movies like this, you know, whether it be Abbott and Costello movies or, uh, again, like W.C. Field. So I think you'd enjoy it. I think another comparison is like the, the Marx Brothers movies. Uh, you're, you're, the plot is really secondary. But the gags and, and what they do, it's it's well worth your time. And they're super short movies. It's like basically watching uh, an episode on Netflix. All right, until next week, this is Brian signing off. Do you know a man by the name of LaFong? Carl LaFong. Capital L, small a. Capital F, small o, small n, small g. LaFong. Carl LaFong.
No, I don't know. Carl Fong, capital L, small a, capital F, small o, small n, small g. And if I did know Carl Fong, I wouldn't admit it. Listen, you've all got to realize one thing, that I am the master of this household. Harold? And the Yes, dear? I don't know why it is that every time I want to talk to you, you're off in some other part of the house. Smoking and drinking and reading those infernal detective stories. Liberty is sweet. Once you're married, it's just like being in jail. Uh, uh, I guess we'll go to bed. I'm going upstairs. Say, it's lucky to walk under the horseshoe. Harold! Are you drinking? Uh, no, I'm not, dear. I was drinking. Ambrose. Ambrose? Yes, my dear? What are you doing in the bathroom? Um, brushing my teeth, dear. You're drunk. And you're crazy. And I'll be sober tomorrow and... You'll be crazy for the rest of your life. What? Are you sure you're brushing your teeth? Uh, yes, dear. Uh, was I in here last night and did I spend a $20 bill? Yeah. Oh, boy, what a load that is off my mind. I thought I'd lost it. Why do you drink so much? Because I like it. I bought a wonderful club in Toronto. Did you? Uh, give me that Canadian club. This is a very remarkable piece of wood, and well, I told you to hide that, and I'll let him on the sales. <laughs> everything you like to do is wrong. According to you, everything I like to do is either illegal, immoral, or fattening. This boat was lost in 1881. So was my wife, but she's still seaworthy. She's probably got barnacles all over. The boat, I mean. Dear. Is that gun loaded? Certainly not, but I think you are. There he goes again, down to the saloon to read that silly detective magazine. Well, all right, you've been smoking again in your room. No, you tell me where to go. I'd like to tell you both where to go. Mommy, doesn't that man have a funny nose? You mustn't make fun of the gentleman, Clifford. You'd like to have a nose like that full of nickels, wouldn't you? <laughs> throw him in the waste paper basket the next time he comes in here. What's the matter, Pop? Don't you love me anymore? Certainly I love you. Don't you strike that child. Well, he's not going to tell me I don't love him. Imagine a man who takes money out of a child's piggy bank and puts in IOUs. <laughs> Don't you dare strike that child! You put that down! Put it down! Put it down! Why'd you take your wife home a friend? A little pet of some kind. Women are crazy about pets. They're just crazy. Pets having a thing to do with it. I'm a married man with a grown daughter 18 years of age. Oh, I'd like to meet her. I'm very fond of children. Girl children, around 18, 20. Uh, I am the Countess de Piozzi. Uh, the Countess de Pussy? Monsieur, no. De Puisi, the Countess de Puisi. 
Father, they won't hurt him, will they? Only for about two hours. Then they'll shoot him. You start out of dunce. Dunce, sir. D-U-N-C-E. How do you spell it? Come. Are you busy? I'm about as busy as a pickpocket at a nudist colony. Well, come here. If I had enough money to pay your back salary, I'd fire you. I'd afraid you wouldn't be here. Bring a wet towel the next time. Keep cool, dear. I'll bring a wrap out for you in a minute. Are you really a man? Well, I've been called other things. Hey, this is Brian Davis, and you might know me from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. And now, get ready for the Bad Beat Show on ThatMetalStation.com from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. I'm going to play some kick-ass hard rock inspired by the blues, because after all, the foundation of all things rock and metal is, of course, the blues. So join me every Wednesday night for the Bad Beat, because even when you lose, you still win. We are officially on Spotify now, so if you don't use iTunes, if you don't use the Podbean app, you can go to Spotify and get all of our past episodes. You can stream it on there, so if you're a Spotify user, you can go find Damn Good Movie Memories. <laughs> I can't even say my own podcast. Damn Good Movie Memories. Yes, I know what I'm talking about. I'm the host, right? Okay, so go to Spotify, look for Damn Good Movie Memories. You can stream all of that stuff. And yeah, so if you don't want to use iTunes, you don't want to use Podbean, you can use Spotify as well. All right, before we sign off, we do have t-shirts are available for sale. All you have to do is go to tpublic, that's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com, and you can get your very own Damn Good Movie Memories t-shirt. You can get all sizes, any gender, you can get whatever you want just at the tip of your fingers. So just go to tpublic.com, look up Damn Good Movie Memories, and you can get your very own t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for Damn Good Movie Memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. I am Dr. Fuck. And I'm the actual alcoholic. And we are part of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. That's right. And the way you can check us out is we are on iTunes and also Podbean. And we forgot a review recently. I got this review right here. It says right here, it says, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast is the greatest podcast in the world. And it's my number one podcast signed by Science. Now, and then Science also says... Science! Science also said... My second favorite podcast is It Doesn't Matter, The Rest Suck. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast on iTunes and Poppy. Check it out. Science! This is Stephen Michael from the Growing Up Rock Podcast. If you're like me and my co-host, Sonny Hollywood, 
Rooney, you grew up loving hard rock and metal music. Check out our podcast where we talk to bands and artists that help create the soundtrack to our lives, along with playing some killer new and old deep tracks of kick-ass guitar-driven rock and roll. Find us wherever you find your podcast to listen to. That's the Growing Up Rock Podcast, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. And feel free to hit us up at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Growing Up Rock. So sit back and crank it up. <laughs>